The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. To me, you grade them off the tape, you don't grade off somebody out here in pajamas running around on 40 with no defender around or an offender. Dan Campbell speaking truth as we get ready for what I've called for years the Underwear Olympics. I've been calling it the Underwear Olympics for so long, I feel weird calling it the Underwear Olympics yeah, now. I feel should. like it needs a different term. <laughs> I, I, the pajama But the pajama Olympics. thing, I like the pajama thing. But, but look, I, I say this every year at this time, the only time anyone on a football field ever runs 40 yards in a straight line is when something very good is happening or when something very bad is happening. And that doesn't happen all that often. Unimpeded 40-yard straight line. And it never happens that your pads fly off before you're running 40 yards in a straight line, whether something good or bad is happening. So, But it's part of the competition. It's part of the allure. It's part of the TV show that That's the Combine right. has yeah. evolved into over the past 30 or 40 years. So, you know, it is what it is, and it does have more relevance for some of the positions. For offensive linemen, it doesn't mean anything. Receivers, running backs, defensive backs, straight line speed, quarterbacks to a certain extent. You want to know who can run and who can't. Yeah. But, but even then, even then, even then, there are plenty of guys who – are far different when the ball's in the air sure. than when they're expected to run in a straight line with no one chasing them, no one they're chasing, no one running next to them. It's just them in a vacuum becoming something they aren't. Yeah. They're not yeah. track athletes for the most part. They're football players. Yeah, no, I mean, some of them do have track backgrounds. You're right, you're not. I mean, you're right, Dan Campbell. I mean, he's right. You're not going to make your final determination just over the combine, right? But like we kind of talked about earlier in the week, it, it confirms things. It can raise red flags because of certain movements and drills that, okay, wait, we got a camera on it. Oh, we're, we got a guy down there on the field seeing it in person. There's, there's, so, there's a hip tightness here, or there's an inability to accelerate, right? So you can put things together a little bit just to help you make 
a more intelligent decision. It doesn't always mean it's the right decision, and it doesn't always work out, as we know. I mean, yeah, it can be somewhat of a crapshoot, but there there is some calculations you get. You know, I, I talk, like, like we said, I think it was Tuesday or Monday, and I talk to too many coaches every year who get into, wait, you know, we saw this little issue during the combine and we turned on the film and we were like, oh, man, yeah, you know, there is a problem with his hips or he can't put his right foot in the ground and, and break the way we thought, right? So that's where it does it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're on the right track. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's, you know, these coaches, it's just a small piece of the pie to put this whole thing together. Well, and I think the one reality of trying to grade speed based on watching film it's all relative to who's running with you and around you, the sure. competition. So a guy may look really fast, but if he's running around with a bunch of slow guys, yes. then you don't deceptive. know. And and the other the other side of it's true as well. Uh, he doesn't look all that fast, but he's being chased by a guy. Yeah, who he's playing in Georgia and Alabama, and they all two. yeah they all run four three exactly right. Yeah, that's it. But see, there's great value to your first point, right? We kind of brought that up early in the week. You know, I think some of those corners that started for Kansas City down the stretch, those rookies, Tariq Woolen in Seattle. Those would be some of those guys, you know, Williams and Watson for for Kansas City and 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 Tariq Woolen, where you went, wait, some of the competition they're playing, they're, are they really that fast? They, I don't think this. I think this guy next to them is running four eight at receiver, so maybe he's not really that fast. Oh, whoa, four two nine! Holy crap, he is that fast. So that's again, that is one of the positives of the combine. I think the smaller school guys can kind of put themselves on the map a little bit more because of the the questions you're bringing up right there. We are back from Indianapolis, if you haven't noticed, based upon the backgrounds and the fact that we're not sitting next to each other. We're there for two days, three hours each day. And I did the math, Chris, and I think this is one of the days when the fact that you're not good at math is the reason why you're here, because you've already put your hours in for the week. Yeah. You've done your eight hours. You did two, uh, then three, then three. That equals eight. So you're so telling me I could have just said, screw this show today? today. <laughs> Damn yeah, it. You've, you've, you've fulfilled your obligation for the week. I don't know how it's baked into your contract, but you did your eight hours. Uh, you're right. I'm not so, sure how it is baked uh, in there either. I'm not sure if it's eight hours or four days. I need to need to figure that out. But, uh, you know, hey, Monday through Thursday is how I look at it. And we had fun out there. I, I always love being with you, man. I really do. I love us. It, it was fun. It's just and, and I still, I look, it's just weird how the calendar worked and the schedule worked to the point where the decision was made that we we're only going to be there two days. Yeah. It feels incomplete that we were only there for two days. I feel like we should still be there today because every time we've ever gone, it's always yeah. been at least three days. Right. But, but I have no complaints about walking down the stairs and seeing my dog and having a nice cup of coffee made in my coffee pot because there's something that's always different about the coffee that's made in your coffee pot and definitely having breakfast with my wife and getting back to work and uh so wait are you, you drinking know, coffee right now or are you drinking freaking the... diet coke right not now? right now no okay oh you're talking no, about I, later I've like got, after I've the show this, i've got this i've got this here product placement oh vitamin water vitamin water zero that uh, i grabbed out of the refrigerator on my way up all so, right. Uh, all right i'll have a drink of that at some point 
Because I, I today it's the first day back, especially when you travel and get home at nine o'clock. It's just a little everything's a little discombobulated. So you know when you're back in your house after you've been gone, it's got a different feel to it for a while, and it takes a little while to just get back to normal. And I yeah. just feel like this morning it's starting to get back to normal. Yeah, no, I listen. It was uh, six fifty-seven and uh, fifty-two seconds, and you weren't up in the studio, and I was telling Kristen and Courtney, going, "Uh oh, this could be our day." Could, did he sleep in? Did he go, this is my first night home. I'm going to go in the barn and you know smoke a cigar and have a drink. And then he got a little groggy and you know, he didn't wake up in time. I'm, always, I'm rooting for that on a daily basis, just so you know. It's, it's not <laughs> just for the fun of it, not to be totally mean to you, but it would be fun. <laughs> Today would have been a perfect day to fake an illness because I know we got plenty of content from yesterday 12 to 3 that was never aired yeah you're right they could have just filled it in the button and played two hours a day that's another thing i don't but you know the 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 ultimate character test is whether or not you'd fake an illness i I, i've got 12 years of catholic school i could never fake an illness i could never bring myself to do it because you know in your heart that you're really well enough to do it and it's so easy to say oh i'm sick oh my stomach's bothering me oh whatever right that it's something that I would never enjoy the thing I faked my illness for because I would constantly feel guilty, thanks to 12 years of Catholic school, for lying about being sick when I'm not really sick. But today would have been the perfect day to do it. Damn, you're right. Damn. Eight hours I put in. We already had you know, interviews in the bank. You're right. I shouldn't have showed up for this crap It's today. a good thing we didn't have this conversation yesterday. <laughs> Seriously. Or I'd have the flu and you'd have the bubonic plague or something. I don't <laughs> Definitely, know. Definitely. Right. <laughs> We're here, though. And we got some stuff right. to talk about. So it'll be a good show here. We're going to get into it momentarily. Before that, I need to point out for anyone who may be wondering what the hell they're watching or listening to, it's PFT Live. We are here on Peacock, Sirius XM85, back to on tape for Sky Sports NFL. They were very excited that they got two full days of three hours live with an S-bomb here or there, a warning at the bottom of of the screen that the program with an M-E at the end. The fancy spelling of program has strong language. So uh, sorry, sorry we're not live, and sorry it's only two hours. Don't get too used to it, uh, but it was fun. And then podcast audience, it never matters whether we're live or not. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following along with us, and let's get right to it. Let's do it. The story that's going to hover over the combine, I did a couple of radio spots from the drive home yesterday, and Jalen Carter's the first topic. And the latest news is that Jalen Carter was booked last night at 11.33 p.m. Eastern on misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing on highway slash streets. So here's here's what it means. We read his statement yesterday, and it wasn't clear whether or not he was immediately leaving the combine or was going to go when the combine was over. He said it was his intention to go back to Athens. He went back last night. Good. Obviously. And he was booked and released. And he's only facing charges that would be unrelated to, you know, the deaths that occurred. And it's important to point that out because when it all first came up, I thought maybe there's an involuntary manslaughter floating around in there contributing to, you know, if there's racing, you you have responsibility for what happens if there's an accident with the other car. He's not charged with anything like that. He's not charged with lying to police. Remember, that was part of what hit yesterday that... He allegedly lied to misled police, and he denied that aspect of it. This is a very simple, straightforward, reckless driving, racing on highway slash streets. 
And uh, it's just important to understand that legal side of it. Sure. Yes, there's a broader context that resulted in two people losing their lives in a separate vehicle. But he's not being charged at this point based upon what what that that tweet you saw on the screen said. He's not being charged at this point with anything along those lines of causing or contributing to someone's death or lying to police. And again, that was part of the dark cloud that just kind of emerged out of nowhere yesterday morning over Jalen Carter. So already here we are. And that's why I said yesterday, time will tell, time will tell, time will tell. Not even 24 hours later, we're at a point where, okay, it, it may not be as dark of a cloud as we thought it was going to be yesterday morning. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's fair. I mean, it's good to see that, you know, he and his camp did the right thing. He went there, put out a pretty strong statement for sure. But you're right. This is why you wait. You kind of see. And, and yeah, I, I mean, again, it's still tragic and it's horrible. And I'm sure Jalen Carter feels horrible about it. Uh, but, yes, when you look at that base level, what you're talking, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know if there's going to be more charges here to come. But these type of charges that we're seeing right now, reckless driving and racing on a highway, you know, as it stands right now, Mike, I mean, I ask you, I, I bow to you in this, but, but I also got a little gut feel. I don't think that's the type of thing that's going to hurt his stock with NFL teams. He's going to have to answer a lot of questions about this, and there's going to be more digging about it for sure. But as it stands right now, uh, I don't think this is the type of thing that's really going to affect, you know, where he stands and how he's looked at as a football player, you know, risk-reward, all those type of things. No, because reward... Is he's huge. still going to be regarded as right. significant. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's not facing any NFL discipline because this all happened before he was ever an NFL employee. He's still not an NFL employee. So the, the only relevance that any pre-draft misconduct or allegations would ever have would be if there's something that happens after in the NFL, that history can be an aggravating factor. But even then, all he's been charged with is reckless driving and racing. So uh, I, I think that, that it should take most of the steam out of any possibility that it's going to affect him in a negative way. He will have to indeed answer questions about it at some point. But, you know, I, I mean, based upon what the police believe so far, the, and, and, and you know what, Chris? Maybe he won't have to answer questions about it because maybe his position will be, I've been advised by counsel until this is resolved to not talk about it. What, what are the teams going to say? Well, you have to talk about it. We're not going to draft you. Okay, fine. Don't draft me. Right. I've been told not to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a reasonable position for him to take as it relates to this. I've been told not to talk about it. You know, the other thing he could do, though, is just get it resolved. Plead to something. Pay a fine. Move on. There will be a civil side of this, maybe. I don't – I mean, again, I don't know. I'd have to research Georgia law and I'd have to think this through as to – what responsibility? If you've got two cars and the driver of each car decides independently, collectively, we're going to race, how much does how much responsibility does the participant yeah. in the other car have if the person in the first car gets into a wreck? I mean, you know, it would be a fairly – it's not your straightforward yep. car accident. No, case. definitely. I'll put it that way. Right. I would think so. Mike, right? I, and I, there may be precedent yeah. in Georgia. There may be precedent in right. other states, but it, it feels like a, a more challenging civil lawsuit than the normal one. But that that's something that may be that may be part of this as well for Jalen Carter going forward. But that definitely will have no impact on his 
you know, yeah, his NFL stock in the draft, right. where he's drafted. Teams don't care about that. Teams don't care about what that guy's got to deal with on, you know, on the civil side. I mean, hell, if it didn't affect, if it, if it didn't affect Deshaun Watson getting a two hundred fifty million dollar fully fully guaranteed contract from the Browns last year, when it was civil actions more than twenty that directly dealt with, you know, some not to go back down that rabbit hole again, but we all know what happened. It didn't affect him. So I just, you know, as we talk through this, I think we are at a point 24 hours later where yeah. we're on the track for this as it relates to his NFL future. I mean, it was a horrific, tragic event based upon the charges that have been filed. He's not being held responsible for causing or contributing to the deaths of anyone. It still was a tragic event, but as we try to understand what it means going forward, it may not have much of an impact when it's all said and done. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to. You know, yeah, it's it'll be a pain in the butt for him a little bit here, and of course, I'm sure he still feels horrible about it. And like you said, it's a tragic event. It is, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I got to think, hey. The guy behind the, the the steering wheel, the other car, he, he's responsible, and you know he 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 made that decision as well. All right, and he, you know, and unfortunately, some people paid for it, and it's it, it is horrible. I feel for it. Like I told you yesterday, it hit home when I first saw that it was a you know an offensive lineman that was from up where I grew up and went to a high school that I was very familiar with. So. Uh, it hurts. It hurts. And I'm sure it hurts Jalen Carter. And I'm sure that, like Kirby Smart said, is hurting his Georgia family still to this day. Uh, but, yeah, ultimately, I think uh, Jalen Carter's, you know, going to be okay here as far as where he stands in the NFL eyes. And, you know, we talked earlier about the guilt that we would be carrying around mm. over faking an illness. He's going to have some guilt that he's carrying around for a long yeah. time thinking about what could I have done differently? What role did I have in this? What responsibility do I have? Regardless of what happens in criminal court, civil court, you know, you, you got to spend the rest of your life processing this idea that if I just maybe hadn't engaged, but, yeah. maybe this wouldn't have happened. It happens all the time, though, like you said. And, you know, I did dumb stuff like this as a young kid as well. I just saw two people doing it down the road here today. Were there? I don't know. They were two jerks in front of me, and they were having some road rage incident. They were flying down next to trying to beat each other and cut each other off. Uh, you know, so again, things happen. But these are yeah. This is a young individual who you know was having fun, but that's not the way to have fun. And like we talked about yesterday, he's going to look at this three, four years from now. Right now, he's looking at it. But you're you know, as you said, as you get older and wiser, which you do, you start to look at things that you did when you were 21 and 22, and you go. Damn, I was lucky. I mean, that was so stupid I did that. Oh, my gosh, how did I get out of that situation? Wow, that was lucky. Uh, so that's where I always say, you know, let's, let's not judge the kid too harshly over this as well. All right. Uh, the combine workouts begin tonight, I believe, and then they continue for several days. They really, it really feels like they've, they've kind of stretched this whole combine experience out into something even longer and more detailed and it kind of now has this feeling of it stops and it starts and it spurts and it, and it's so we're going to kind of be in a lull until we get to the workouts. Uh, at some point, the quarterbacks will be working out and some will throw, some won't throw, but what we're going to focus on now specifically as it relates to the top 10 right. of the 2023 draft, Yeah, which of the teams Woo! needs to get a quarterback. Now, a lot of that is determined by the supply and as yeah. always, when it comes to great quarterbacks, the demand is going to outweigh the supply. So we're just going to go through here, 1 through 10, 
And we start at number one. And, Chris, you and I both believe that the Bears don't need a quarterback. Right. The Bears should trade down to a team that wants a quarterback. They could create a competition between the Texans and the Colts who are in the same division. But after talking with Ryan Poles, the GM of the team, Matt Eberflus, the head coach, we had them on together. We were trying to contemplate whether or not we could win a two-on-two basketball game against them. I came to the conclusion we probably wouldn't once Poles stood up. Because I thought maybe I could guard Poles and you could take Eberflus. Right. But Poles is, Poles is a taller he's big, guy than he he's looks a, He's a college down. offensive lineman. Now I, understand, right. <laughs> now I understand why people think I'm 5'5 five, five sitting down. People look differently sitting down when they do standing up. I stand up, I'm 5'11 and three quarters. Yeah. And that's on my driver's license and that means it's true. Um, and no, it you, is true. I was measured that. I was measured that in my physical last year. People always but see Poles you and come up to me like, and go, "You're tall." He Foyo's taller than I thought he was. I I hear that all the time. Yeah. But when Ryan Pohl stood up after we were sitting down talking about playing two on two, he stood up and it's like that guy's pretty big. Yeah. He doesn't look as big sitting down. He stands up. Man, that guy's big. And Eberflus, you know, he he's big. So they would beat us in two on two. But regardless of that, we had the two on two conversation. It became clear that. I mean, they're going to do their due diligence. Right. But it seemed but like they, they were. They already have bird in hand. Right. They got right. pretty good bird in hand in Justin Fields. It's a hell of a risk. You better be damn sure you're getting yourself a Patrick Mahomes or someone of that ilk before you throw back Justin Fields. Yeah, that's the truth. That's right. But, I mean, and, and you know, I got the same sense you did, too. Right. And there's something like we talked about that you can build around there. You know, there's some pieces on that offensive line. It's got to get a little better. We know that. You know, maybe they add another running back. I don't know. You add one more dynamic receiver with Claypool and Darnell Mooney. You know, they got Cole Komet at tight end. You know, Mike, we talk about it all the time. They could start having things going all different ways, and there's Justin Fields running around the edge. It's going to make passing looks, you know, a little easier because teams are going to be so worried about defending the run. We know Justin Fields is not, you know, totally polished in the passing game either, but all these things will allow him to, you know, grow in those areas and, you know, grow in those areas where, you know, it's beneficial to throw against these looks because they're so worried about our run games or reverses or speed sweeps. So, yeah, I'm with you, Mike. And then they are sitting pretty because, guys, let's bring up that list again if we can on the top ten. I mean, Texans, quarterback, Colts, quarterback, Seahawks could see it, definitely. I mean, I know they're talking about it and thinking about it. How could they not be, right, Mike? Uh, six Lions, I don't think so, but maybe, all right? The Raiders, yes. The Falcons, yes. The Panthers, yes. There's not going to be enough damn quarterbacks to go around, so that's where this is going to get interesting. You're going to have to try to start to figure out, wait, do we want to trade up? Do we just want, you know, if we're the Falcons at eight or the Panthers at nine, wait, are we going to have a quarterback there? Do we just get a, a free agent veteran right now and do that because we might not get one? So there's a lot of things that are going to come into play in this conversation uh, with, you know, what I think most people view as right now is four first-round quarterbacks, maybe five because of the kid in Tennessee, but he has a torn ACL. So uh, I, I think it's going to be an exciting, you know, first 10 picks is what I'm saying, I guess. Well, and first round and top 10 are two different things altogether. Yeah, right. Uh, right. So, and, and you don't want to be reaching for a quarterback just because you need a quarterback. And, and this is the other side of it, too. As we look through this now, the teams that would be in the conversation do jump out. But, but, and this is why we refuse to do, not we, everyone, we, I, and at PFT, we do not do po- uh, pre 
free agency mock drafts. There's no reason to do it because we'll know once the quarterback movement happens. Right, right. Which teams have addressed their needs and which ones haven't. We'll know, for example, based upon the contract that the Seahawks do with Geno Smith, if they do one, whether or not they would be willing to use the fifth overall pick on a quarterback. We'll know whether or not the Falcons make a play for Lamar Jackson. We'll know whether or not the Panthers sign Derek Carr. That changes dramatically what the perceived needs would be in the top 10. So uh, we, we have a huge phase of the offseason program here that's coming up in a couple of weeks that's going to, to narrow. It's not going to expand. It's going to narrow the field in the top 10 of teams that we think are going to be looking at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's where the, you know, you, you get into the, the Derek Carr, the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, all of those type of people out there that we look at to be, wait, these are starting quarterbacks, right? This is what these teams are going to, going to have to measure out here. And, yeah, you know, what do you, well, what do you have to pay another team as far as trade assets if you want to move up? a few spots to make sure you're in a spot to get a quarterback. And then, you know, of course, balancing, wait, what are we going to pay one of these free agents? Man, there's a lot of things that are going to go into this. But I, I don't know, Mike, I, you know, as I sit here and, and as I've sat and thought about the draft a little bit more over the last week to 10 days, I don't feel like I remember this many teams in the top 10 who need quarterbacks like this. And that 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 is interesting. And, uh, you know, of course, we know there's three pretty damn good ones there's the the Richardson kid from Florida who's kind of a freak athlete a little raw and got to work on a few things as far as polishing his pass game but you know those are four guys that I think a lot of people think there's a good possibility they're in the top 15 top 20 maybe top 10 when it's all said and done and uh yeah there's there's more there's more chairs to fill here than there is quarterbacks and the fact that the Bears will be looking at options to trade down it creates uh -huh. a delicate situation for the team that simply had to lose, simply had to, to not come back and win in Week 18 over the Colts, or they'd be controlling the board here, the Houston Texans at number two. They have to worry about being jumped by the Colts. They have to worry about being jumped by any of these other potential quarterback-needy teams, and the Bears will be doing everything they can to dangle the reality, hey, you want – you want to run the board, you want to take the first quarterback, you better get in front of the Texans. Here's head coach D'Amico Ryans and GM Nick Casario of the Texans talking about adding a quarterback and potentially getting jumped in that number two spot. We have one quarterback on the roster, right? so we have to add to that position, and we'll do it through free agency in the draft. We have to add two guys to our roster, so looking to find the best guys that we can add. And there's a good group of quarterbacks in free agency and in the draft. Yeah, I think we're focused on the Texans. We're not necessarily worried about what other teams around us are doing. I mean, you're cognizant of that. But ultimately, you have to be prepared to pick wherever you're going to pick and then be prepared to pick whatever player. So I'd say most teams, again, not to generalize here, but most teams, wherever they pick, you probably have three or four guys that you would feel comfortable taking. So if a team is in front of you and you're only talking about one player, well, that's going to leave two or three other players. So you're either comfortable with that group of players or you're not. So, again, you can't really get too caught up in what other teams are doing. You just try to make decisions that you feel are best for your team and your situation. I understand what he's saying there. But if you decide yeah. that the one guy that you 
have to have to transform your team that is that is caught in this cyclone of dysfunction and you just need a quarterback and Deshaun Watson's long gone and you need someone who can be the guy that you build around and you're convinced that that guy is a Bryce Young but you're also convinced the Colts believe it too yeah especially because Jim Irsay blurted it out during Shane Steichen's introductory press conference then you ask yourself it's part of it it's part of the analysis what do we give up to flip-flop here to go from two to one what will the Bears want because look from, from the Bears perspective now I, I see and this is where it gets interesting for them if the Colts were three it would be safer for the Bears to go to three with the Colts the 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 Bears may fall in love with the guy the Cardinals fall in love with at three and the Colts are at four so if you go one to four as the Bears you're running the risk that the Cardinals are going to take the guy you would have taken first overall, or the Cardinals are going to trade that pick to somebody else who will take the guy you would have taken first overall. Whereas if you just do flip-flop with the Texans, you still get the guy you would have taken. Yeah, sure. You get free stuff on top of it, and you still get the guy you would have taken first overall. Yeah, no, I think you know you, you bring up a valid point there, and they're they're a team that we know could could use some blue chip type players there, top five type players. They got a lot of money to play with. But they got a lot of holes on their roster too, so that'll that'll be interesting too. You know, maybe they're going to look at this draft and right, again, right now, I don't have a good feel for the totality of the draft. I'm at early stages here. I'm just starting in on this stuff. But yeah, they might get through this and go. You know what? Hey, you know, so what? We we see some great value here. You know, in picks ten through thirty, we're willing to go back that way and just accumulate players and more picks. So they got a lot of different avenues, but they're. You know, as we talked about with the Justin Fields situation and all that, they are uh, in a very enviable, enviable position. And uh, I, I would think they're going to field a lot of calls and have a lot of teams kind of pick their brains for what it might take to get up there. And, you know, again, it's, 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 uh, it's going to be fun. I think as we watch the combine this weekend with the, the rookie quarterbacks and get a feel for what they look like. And then, you know, Realistically, Mike, what what free agent quarterbacks are we looking at there that can really come in and start for a team, right? Right. I mean, I know we got Aaron Rodgers out there. I'm going to say at the end of the day, it's Green Bay or retire. All right. So I'm going to just cancel him out right now. And and he's I don't think going to be in the, any of these teams in the top ten. So who cares, right? I think it's Jets or Packers at this point. But then, like you got, you know, I know Lamar's a free agent, but I, I mean, he's not a real free agent, uh, not that way. Geno, okay, I, I have a hard time thinking Seattle's just going to let him out the door right now. You know, Daniel Jones, not really. I don't think that's happening either. So now you're down to what? You know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. And another guy that's kind of forgotten in this conversation is Baker Mayfield. You know, and I don't know if anybody's going to have the guts to make him a starter there, but yeah, we're getting here to, to limited options and some teams here who have already gone like we've, you know, the old timer, let's try a new quarterback and see if we can make it happen, Carolina and Indy. I have a hard time thinking that, you know, they necessarily want to do that all the way. Uh, so that's where, you know, I think this could get very interesting. But, but just the fact that we've got Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, potentially. Yeah. Just – this never happened. Teams would never let a guy go who was able to play. 
who was able to just check the box of, can you be an NFL quarterback? Right. It didn't happen. And Baker Mayfield, to me, is very compelling because I think that the Raiders are a potential destination, that Josh McDaniels connection. Josh McDaniels experienced what Baker Mayfield can do on two days prep in Sean McVay's offense, the magic that you can harness. If you can just get the planets to line up just right, what Baker Mayfield can bring to a team. And and again, there was always that affinity there between McDaniels and and Mayfield. But, um, but yeah, but again, that still is going to, I mean, Carr's going to land somewhere and that's going to factor into the top 10. Geno Smith is either going to sign a ridiculous deal that makes it clear he's there indefinitely, or it's going to be something that feels like a Band-Aid. That's the other thing, too. There'll be quarterback movement that we know is just a placeholder until that team drafts the next guy. We saw it last year when Mitchell Trubisky signed with the Steelers, and the Steelers successfully created the vibe of, yeah, Trubisky's our quarterback. No, we're, we're, you know, we don't feel compelled to draft a guy. And no one jumped them for Kenny Pickett, which is still amazing to me, that they were able to get Kenny Pickett without moving up because everybody knew. It's like every year. We knew they were getting Najee Harris. They got Najee Harris. We knew they are getting Kenny Pickett. They got Kenny Pickett. Um, But there will be a team like that that signs a guy, and it feels like he's the starter, but there's still enough there of an opening where they're going to go ahead and and yeah. draft a guy. And that's why the Seahawks, that's, I, th- I think what Pete Carroll said the other day yeah. about being in this rare position to draft a you quarterback, think, you think he's, I just think... Yeah, he's I think trying he's, to get a market. Like, hey, look, trade down. Right, right. He's going to trade down. I'm with you, Mike, there. I, I was just about to kind of go there. You know, the Seahawks are another team that you look at. They go, yeah, they're kind of sitting in a good position, too. You know, they're right there. You don't have to get up the total farm to get to number five. But, hey, if you're a team that I would, you know... Raiders, Falcons, Panthers, I'd be a little worried sitting there at Falcons, seven. Falcons, Panthers, same division. Falcons, yeah. Panthers, it's a great, just like Texans, Colts, it's great. Right. Eight, nine, Falcons, Panthers, you may be able to stir something up there and one of them jumps up. Exactly right. So you got teams there that, you know, certainly are, are going to be in that conversation. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you in the fact that, uh, you know, again, I'm not putting it out of the realm, but I, I, I have that same feel. You got Geno who is a young, what, 32? He's a young 32. There's not a lot of wear and tear in his tires. I mean, he played phenomenal football. He's got all the ability to be the starting quarterback. I mean, what was he, the number two rated? I know I'm not all about rating, but number two rated quarterback in football with a not a great offensive line that was young that'll be better this year? I mean, damn. I, I don't know. I just wouldn't throw that over overboard right now. Geno's the type of guy with the way he's kept in shape, the way he throws the football, that his, his skills aren't going anywhere. He's going to be damn good for the next two, three, four years. So, you know, that's where I'm I'm with you, Mike. I, I am. And, uh, yeah, that's where it does get interesting in that, that 7, 8, 9 range. And, you know, you talk about the Falcons at 8 a little bit. You know, they're still a team that – I don't know. I still look at and to go, man, will they think about maybe trading for Lamar Jackson, doing something like that if the Ravens and Lamar can't come to some deal at some point? I just feel like that's kind of a match made in heaven to a degree. So there's a lot of things that can go on here to affect this top 10 and how this whole quarterback thing plays out. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. 
Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I was talking to somebody from the Atlanta media yesterday, and the conversation went like this. Arthur Blank is 82, and he wants to win. Right. So uh, right. Lamar, the, the Lamar Jackson thing could could be. Could be. I, uh, and you, you've been talking about it for a while. It just it could make a lot of sense for the Falcons to try to make that play if Lamar Jackson and the Ravens don't get something worked out in the next five days. And I'll be stunned. They've had two years to work something out, and they haven't. Would you really what be stunned? What the hell is going to happen in the next five days? Yeah. I, what? I, yeah, they do a deal? Oh, yeah. I, you would be stunned if they do a deal, right? Yeah, or you're saying you'd be yeah, stunned if yeah. they – Yeah, okay. I thought you were saying you'd be stunned if they didn't do yeah. a deal. I was like – I was surprised. No, yeah, no, yeah. God, no. I, I, I know. I mean, and, and again, look, the, at some point he's got to do a deal with someone. Yeah. Th- that's kind of the – and this is, again, this is where an agent would be useful. And if I was 25 trying to navigate my life and understand these quarter billion dollar contracts, you know, I'd need somebody to say to me at some point, dude, at some point you have to do a deal with someone. Yeah. So you have to ask yourself, do I want to do a deal with the team I've played for mm-hmm. or do I want to do a deal with someone else? But I have to do a deal at some point. At some point I have to say yes to what's behind door number one, two, three, four, or five. And... And so I, you know, I don't yeah. rule it out. Right. But it's hard. It's, but I just, I don't know how they get from yeah. here to there. Yeah. I don't know how they finish a deal in the next five days, given the struggles they've had to even engage in the most basic negotiation in two years. Yeah. Agreed. I, I'm, I'm with you there. And I don't know where that's going to go. And, you know, I think you and I are both frustrated because we're Lamar fans. We, we want the best for him there. And, yeah, the Atlanta thing, what you said about Arthur. I want the best for any guy who's won an MVP. He won an MVP in his second NFL season. Yeah. I want him to get everything he deserves, both on field and off field. Yeah. I wanted to make every penny he can because that money's out there. Yeah. And it's going to the best players. And the players who have emerged as the best should be getting it. It's fair if it happens that way. And it's unfair if it doesn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm, we're not going to go back down the shoe deal rabbit yeah, hole right. just now. That that created a, a storm of something other than rain right. the other day. But but ask yourself this, folks. Yeah. Anyone out there that reacted to the clip that made the rounds right. and Lamar, Lamar Jackson reacted to that clip. Right. Right. Okay. A- anybody out there that has something to say, anybody out there that wants to chime in that's in the media or elsewhere, ask yourself this. Who does Lamar Jackson have endorsements with? Right. What's his raw MVP in his second season? What commercials have you ever seen him in? Right. That kind of says it all, right, Mike? What ads have you ever seen him in? Right. What deals does he have? I know. I, I know. The proof's out there. Right. Folks. Right. It's out there. Yeah. 
Who's who's the face of the NFL for the Jordan brand? Is it Lamar Jackson or is it Dak Prescott? Who is it? And who's the MVP and who isn't? So the, the proof is there, okay? Don't, don't rely on a clip from us and a retweet from Lamar. Rely on what's out there and what's not out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 you know I'm, I'm sure that made Lamar mad or whatever. And again, I, I, I hope Lamar knows that I, I really I, – I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans. We both are. He's been disrespectful. Hey, I'd, be, I'd be mad too. I'd be mad too if I was the MVP of the league and I didn't have my long-term contract and I didn't have yeah. any obvious major endorsement deals. I'd be mad too yeah. because I've earned it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And, you know, yeah, it, it really doesn't. And, and, again, you know, going back to Lamar and all the things you talked about there too with Atlanta, yeah, they're just, Atlanta, the style of football they want to play is Lamar Jackson-ish. I mean, you know, we know what they want to do there. They want to play Tennessee football. What have we seen with the Titans the last few years? They want to run the ball, play defense, play action pass, run the ball again, bootlegs, quarterback design, run with Lamar Jackson. And I don't know, maybe I'm a little biased or or whatever else, Mike, because, you know, one, as we've discussed, hey, Atlanta, one of the top African-American cities in our country, to have an African-American quarterback, yeah, there's value there. And I witnessed it. I've witnessed it. I've been in that stadium a few times when Michael Vick was the starting quarterback and a few times when he's not. And let me tell you, the damn stadium was a whole lot different when Michael Vick was the starting quarterback. It was one of the most unbelievable environments you could imagine. It was awesome. It really was. It was electricity in that stadium when Michael Vick was playing there. And like Lamar Jackson, can, he can reignite that right there. And be that type of guy for that city and that franchise. So I could see Arthur thinking about that. And like you said, you know, it, it's 82 years old. Both and, Arthurs. But yeah, right. Both, both, Arthurs. both Arthurs. Well, that's the other thing I do think about. The Arthur, the owner, I can picture liking it. Arthur Smith, the coach, I, I wonder. I know he, could, he likes the player, right? I, I'm sure he likes the player. Who doesn't like the player? But... You know, how much will him and Terry Fontenot want to trade away assets and do all those things to get the player? Because I do feel like Fontenot and Arthur Smith are guys that are like, you know, like we always talk about, let's build a team, right? Let's do that. They both came from that type of things. Not, let, not hey, let's get the quarterback, and, you know, if he can't carry us, then, then we're not going to do it. Those are those type of guys. So that's the one thing that kind of gives me trepidation, but um, – yeah, it, it's interesting, and this Lamar thing is uh, is crazy, along with Aaron Rodgers, and then you got Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo sitting out there, too. It's, it's pretty fascinating. We'll swing back into the top five because the Indianapolis Colts, I think, have decided that they want to get off the ride as it relates to pursuing veteran quarterbacks. Yeah, They want a young guy. They want the next guy in the chain of Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and uh, Chris Ballard, the GM of the team, spoke with reporters this week at the Scouting Combine. Here's what he had to say on what it would take to make that move from number four, where they currently sit, all the way up to the Bears spot at number one. That, that we were just convicted that this is no freaking doubt, the guy. To move up, you, there's got to be a guy worthy of it. Okay, I know everybody in the in America is going to say, like, this is what's great right now. Everybody has just automatically stamped that you've got to move up to one to get it right. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. And but 
That's going to be the narrative. And that's okay. Y'all got to write something. You got to keep the news flowing. So, but I don't necessarily know if that's the, I don't know if that's the, the right course of business. If when we meet as a staff and we say, okay, this is what we need to do. This is the guy for the next 10 to 15 years. And we think he's the right guy. Sure. We'll do it. But who's to say we won't get one at four? Oh, it's just part of the game, and it all depends on who they want and what they think they need to do to get him. Yeah, and how they this evaluate every year. It's part. It's part of the. It's part of the chess match. Right, and it's complicated <laughs> because you have the team in front of you, you got teams behind you, and you know who you want. And like Casario was saying, it's not like you only want one guy. Right, there are multiple guys you would take. Yep. But if there's one guy that you just fall in love with, the way that the Chiefs fell in love with Patrick Mahomes and moved from 27 to 10 to get him. If there's a guy like that that you are convinced, no-brainer, can't miss. And this is where it requires restraint, objectivity. You don't want to get caught up in it. You don't want your owner to get caught up in it and start nudging you to do something that maybe you don't want to do. That's how Johnny Manziel ends up with a team like the Browns when he shouldn't have. Right. But, you know, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take a lot of conversation, a lot of analysis, a lot of clear-headed thinking. And I think Chris Ballard... Uh, is is suited to doing it, even though that team has been upside down ever since Andrew Luck decided to not play anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. But but you know, hey, it, it, first off, I, I'm with him. I don't agree with that sentiment. You got to move up to number one. I think we probably both agree there. I mean, you just said it. You know, the, the first off, the two quarterbacks we've been talking about really the last two years as being the top two quarterbacks in the game, Mahomes and Josh Allen, are not number one picks, right? So there you go. The other guy in the Super Bowl this year, Jalen Hurts, is a second-round pick. So it isn't all about number one. And we can go down a list of bust at number one or didn't work out, right? Whether it's, hey, Jared Goff has had a good career, but I wouldn't say it's number one pick worthy, Jameis Winston, and we can keep going and have that conversation all day long. So, yeah, it doesn't mean everything. And like you said, too, you know, you can like, hey, maybe one guy, let's just say in a grading scale of 10, has a 9.8. All right, that's your favorite quarterback. Okay, but are you going to trade the farm to go up to number one if you got another quarterback or two quarterbacks that have a 9.7 and a 9.5 grade? Probably not. You're going to go, wait, I like these guys too. Wait, this guy, okay, we valued him a little bit better, but damn, there's a lot of qualities about these other two guys that we think we can win and, and be a big-time football team with. So, uh, yeah, he's a smart, calculated guy, and you know, I, I think he'll get the right feel for this situation when it all plays out. That's the one thing that we have to remember, and it's important for the teams to remember throughout all of this. And all we have to do is go back five years. Baker Mayfield at one, Sam Darnold at three, right. Josh Allen at seven, Josh Rosen at 10, Lamar Jackson That's at right. 32. That's right. So, yes, how much do you give up to get a better spot in line when it's all a crapshoot? And, and that's the other side of it, too. It's part of the risk you take. And, and I think there's a comfort in, in not being the one to pick first because if you pick wrong, it's even more glaring. Yeah. What if the Colts go all the way up to number one and they take Bryce Young? Right. And then the Texans take C.J. Stroud. Yeah. At two. Or wait until 12 and take a guy. Right. And then it's that, even more pre- – that, yeah. that's one of the things we need to keep in mind here. How much pressure we're putting on the kid. Look how much pressure got put on Trey Lance two years ago. Right. When the 49ers gave all that stuff up 
to get the third overall pick. And then there was the four or five weeks of mystery. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Is it Mac Jones? Is it going to be Trey Lance? Is it going to be Justin Fields? Who's it going to be? And then it's finally him and all that extra pressure. There's pressure enough being picked one, two, three, four, five. You add extra pressure to the guy if you move up from four to one to get him. See, I think that's part of the the very important analysis here. It's one thing to get a guy at four. It's another thing when you were at four and you moved up to number one in right. front of the Texans. Right. And that's the guy you took. Right. That guy better be Andrew Luck. He better be Peyton Manning. Isn't it better to just, just be the fourth overall pick from the standpoint of the guy's development? I just think that's part of it. It's part of what they're trying to figure out here. Yeah. And there's wisdom possibly in staying put. Yeah. No, there, there is wisdom there. You know, they're going to have to read the room and, you know, uh, figure out maybe is there a team that's going to jump them or, you know, get up there to be another team to maybe make them third in line as far as a quarterback conversation. And again, you know, their evaluation process and the combine this weekend and how quarterbacks look and the pro days, you know, that'll that'll help you know, let them figure this out too, because maybe they get to the scenario, Mike, where it's a little different than the one I just said. Maybe they got two guys that got like a nine, eight and a nine, seven, but then the third guy is like, Whoa, we got him down here at like 8.8, right? That's when you go, uh Oh, well, I'm not sure. Like we think these two are significantly better. And you know, then you do have to make a move maybe to move up, but there is extra pressure when you move up. It puts a spotlight on you, like you're saying, because then they go, well, they know what they want. They got their guy. They know what they're going to get. And then when you get it wrong, it's like, oh, gosh, they did that. And oh, they, they thought they had the guy. This guy can't evaluate quarterbacks, right? He, they don't know what they're doing there, right? And that I means crap. We were saying that about Shanahan and the 49ers. I mean, you know, people were saying that out there. Now, Shanahan's such a great coach and such a great, you know, creator of plays and schemes that he's able to overcome all this type of stuff. But not everybody has Shanahan there. So uh, that that's where, you know, this is, this is going to be fun to watch. It really is. And that's where I'm excited to watch these quarterbacks a little this weekend just to get a little feel for them and, you know, get this buzz going about what's going to go on in this draft. One last thing about the Colts. Chris yeah. Ballard was mum on the future of – Matt Ryan, look, I don't. Maybe he didn't need to say anything at all. They yeah, right. cut it because right. he's got another, another twelve million, I believe, I or seventeen million. Seventeen million. Mm. It's seventeen. They already owe him twelve million, fully guaranteed for next year. Another seventeen kicks in if he's on the roster. It's one of the reasons why they were putting him in bubble wrap. Yeah, you know, remember that weird period before Frank Reich got fired by the Colts. He came out and said Sam Ellinger's the starter the rest of the year. Matt Ryan's not going to play. That was all about avoiding an injury that would prevent them from dumping Matt Ryan before owing him another $17 million. And then Jim Irsay acted like, oh, I don't know anything about any playing incentives. There's no playing incentives. It didn't matter. No, no. He had it all wrong as to what the business reason was. And there was a very real business reason for keeping Matt Ryan off the field. The business decision was made to move on from Frank Reich. He has landed with the Panthers. Here's a snippet from our conversation yesterday of Reich talking about their effort to turn over every stone in search of the next Carolina quarterback. I mean, I think we all know it's fair to say that every coach would say, hey, the ideal situation is draft a guy that is your quarterback for the sure. next 15 years. Sure. But, you know, we're picking nine. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, we have to have we have to consider every other option. Options, I mean, right. I'd love to say if we're, you know, I mean, it, it, so we have to consider. It could be gone by the time you're at it nine. It could be gone. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's not always a path that you want. But and I do, and we do like the option of Derek Carr, who we talked to last night. I mean, we, sure. you know, we, I'm excited about that option. But we are looking at everything. 
Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, Derek Carr. I mean, do you think you'll get a? Is there a time frame on when you think you get an answer from him here in this conversation, or you guys make up your mind on that? Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing, you right. know. And, and hey, the only way to do it is be transparent, which we were. We both kind of shared our positions. He's trying to see if it's the right fit for him, and right. we're trying to see if it's the right fit for us. The timing is a factor, right? It could it could play a factor in the decision. So it's it's complicated. Um, but that's what we do. Yeah, uh, they're they're in a weird spot. You know, they're the one of the teams that got to calculate things about as good as anybody here, right? Because you know all the reasons you you've laid out already, and and like we were saying there yesterday, they're sitting there in a spot where you can go, damn, they're they're all gone, and we didn't sign a free agent quarterback. Uh oh. So they got to really gauge this the right way, and they're going to have to figure out at some point here soon whether they're just going to go, okay, veteran quarterback, we're going to go with it, or we're going to make a move, and we're going to trade up, and we're going to make sure we get one of these young guys and just take the, the guessing out of it here. Uh, so they're, they're in a little bit of a weird, tough spot uh, sitting at nine. And adding to that, yeah, this annual building tension obsession by David Tepper the owner of the team yeah, sure. to get that quarterback right I, I think back to and I remember the seeds of this were planted all or nothing on Amazon the series that delved into you know kind of like in-season hard knocks before HBO started doing it with NFL films there was the series on Amazon it would come out later it didn't come out during the season it's like months after the fact that this in-depth look they did the Cardinals, the Panthers, the Cowboys. They did three or four different teams, and then pandemic scuttled it, and it never came back. David Tepper sitting in the back of an SUV saying, everything's set up for teams to be 500 in the NFL. The way you skew it in your favor is to have great quarterback, great coach, great GM. And I remember thinking then, you're going to fire Ron Rivera. He's going to go out and hire a, quarter, a coach that he thinks is a great coach, and he just wants his own guy. He wants to go hire a great coach, and he wants a great quarterback. And he's yet to find the great quarterback. He thought he had a great coach in Matt Rule just because he paid him a lot of money. That didn't work. He may have a great coach now in Frank Reich, but now the last piece of the puzzle was go get that quarterback. And they've been trying and they've been trying and they've been trying and they've been failing. And the guys they do get don't pan out. Yeah. The, you, there's got to be a point where David Tepper's just like shell shocked by all this. Like everything we do when it comes to quarterback doesn't work. So what the hell do we do next? Because I feel like whatever we do doesn't work. Yeah, it, they're 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 in a tough spot. They are. They've been a little unfortunate, a little unlucky in that that you know whole conversation. And yeah, their hands are tied here a little bit, you know, because again, they're they're not going to bring Baker Mayfield in. They've already done that. That's not happening. I, I you know I don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo is interesting, but I, I can't imagine that being the answer there in Carolina. I feel like it's Derek Carr or one of these quarterbacks. And then, you know, with the Derek Carr conversation, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go into that too. I mean, are you just sold that Derek Carr's the man and going to lead your team for the next four and five years, right? To just, oh, we'll just give him a boatload of money and just so what and go. That, you know, that's a scary situation too, right? So you got to like, man, that's another factor you look at. And how long, okay, if we do sign Derek Carr, how long are we going to be tied to him, you know? Are we going to get stuck there? And then, oh, wait, we had a year like he did this past year. And you go, oh, no, well, okay, maybe this is the new Derek Carr here, you know, who misses some throws and misses some plays late in a football game. And you go, uh-oh, right? Oh, no, but we got him signed up for the next two or three years. We're in trouble here. So, man, there's a lot of 
juggling in this conversation, let alone team like the Jets out there who are also interested in Derek Carr, and you got to worry about that as well. And um, yeah, uh, you know, for for a team that got a quarterback, I think guy that has a great eye for quarterbacks and Frank Reich and Tepper who wants it, damn, they just can't seem to get it to fall right for them and, and be in the spot to to make it happen. And, and you know, as you're explaining Derek Carr's career, it's not completely apples to apples, but the idea that guy who was once pretty good, guy who was an MVP candidate at one point and now has fallen off, that's Carson Wentz. And and what happened when Frank Reich brought Carson Wentz to Indianapolis? So I think for the same reason the Colts have had enough of the veteran quarterback revolving door. Yeah. I think I think Frank's probably had enough of it too. Yeah, I, I would Look at what it did to him. I I would hope so. I you know, listen, as a as a guy who, you know, as a, like just evaluates the league and and looks at it and Carolina and where they are, right? I respect Frank Reich and, and you know, it seems like David Te- David Tepper's willing to do whatever it is to you got to do to get it done. And then you look at that team in totality, you know, they're a team there that I, I don't look at them necessarily like, you know, some of these other teams where they don't have a ton of holes. We saw down the stretch here. They're, they're get, they got a team here. So they are in a spot now, at least in my opinion, where you can start to go, wait, wait, we don't have to worry. What, what are we worried about our third round pick and some other picks in the future for? We kind of got a team right now. It's ready to go. You know, we've discussed this. Their old line. Frank Reg said that to us the way they played at the end of the year. We saw that. You know, DJ Moore's a superstar receiver. They got two other good receivers to go along with it. The defense, as we saw down the stretch, as Frank Reich told us yesterday, they got two blue chip D linemen and Burns and Derek Brown. They got some big time corners on the on the outside. They got safeties. They got a lot of things that are positive. So they're a team that I look at to go, wait, you're kind of ready here, maybe. Maybe you guys do need to make this move and get up there and just go all in and get this damn quarterback so you're not stuck in this situation and poor Frank Reich's stuck in this situation for, you know, second, third year in a row. It's just uh, so I – when it's all said and done, I think they're going to be a team that's going to make a move. I I just feel that, but, you know, again, I don't know that. It's just my gut. When when you have had multiple veteran quarterbacks that you wanted say no thanks, the only way you get one is to involuntarily draft him to Carolina and give him no option other than to sit out. And uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Let's take a break. When we return, Mike McCarthy no longer sitting out when it comes to calling plays. He's in charge of the offense. How different will the offense look? We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 